everyone, and welcome to the Transform Your Confidence Show. This is a show about holistic leadership and advocacy, and I'm your host, Raj Gurn. Here's a bit about me. I'm a longtime serial entrepreneur who specializes in mindset, branding, media, communications, and marketing, and I firmly believe that great leadership and advocacy is predicated on the mission that everyone must benefit across the entire food chain. I'm an award-winning C-suite entrepreneur who has worked in the media and event space for the past 20 years with many Fortune 500, celebrity, and thought leader clients from around the world. At this point in my life, I seek to share my many insights and resources with anyone who wants to learn about holistic leadership and advocacy in a newly launched online community at the openchessconfidenceacademy.com where I've mandated my entire organization to provide products and services that center around knowledge, action and accountability. My goal with this show is to pull back the curtain, I mean way back, to bring you insider knowledge and resources on how today's change makers are leading with intention and creating meaningful environments that serve everyone. I also want to help you reimagine what your life could be if you had a constant view from the top of the mountain. I believe that in order to get there and stay there, you need to learn from those who have a constant and unobstructed view of Nirvana. These are not just the usual suspects, but the ones that sit in the middle of the volcano as the lava explodes through the top of the mountain. They are the crazy ones who change the world, and they are the ones that I want you to meet. Are you ready? Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to another great two-part series of the Transform Your Confidence show. I'm your host as usual, Raj Gurn, the founder of the OpenChessConfidenceAcademy.com. Before I begin, I want to take a moment to invite you to follow me on YouTube and on my socials at Raj Gurn, as well as at the Academy at the Open Chess Confidence Academy. I'd also love your support to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google and Spotify. Search the Transform Your Confidence show. And for all of you who are avid readers, don't worry, we haven't missed you out. You can go read this at our blog at theopenchessconfidenceacademy.com. This week's theme is media and communications, guys. And here's what I want to do. I want to deep dive how to host events to create authority for your brand. Now, ordinarily, a discussion on events I would always do under the branding and marketing themed shows. But since the focus today is really creating authority in this space, I decided to move this into the media and communications themed show. So with that said, I'd like to really take a moment to welcome my fabulous guest today, who is going to help deep dive some of these things that I really feel that you need to know about what's happening um, as the opportunity for events today for you to grow your brand and for you to be able to really dial in your business. Her name is Jennifer Rabanillo, and she is a veteran event producer and the founder of Styleworthy. Jen, welcome to the show. I'm super happy to bring you on to finally talk about events. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and for wanting to share my experience with your platform. 
Absolutely, Jen. So I want to start our discussion by sharing a bit about your professional journey, just so that we can kind of bring everyone into the mix on just all the wonderful things that you've done out there and why I feel that you're the perfect person to have this discussion with. You've been in the event space for almost two decades. Can you share the capacity in which you've participated so we can tackle that piece first? Absolutely. So as Raj mentioned, I have been in the event production industry for almost 20 years. And that didn't happen overnight. So my skill set's actually in business marketing. So I took that and went worked in advertising on the client relations side. And then from there, I got a wonderful job offer at Much Music within the Chum Television uh, building itself. So when I was brought on, it was actually distribution and acquisitions for feature films, television series, and our in-house shows that we had. So within that, I had the opportunity to learn more about events because as we acquire and distribute, we had to plan events not only in Toronto, but around the world for individuals to come and purchase from us or to learn about the distribution. So that's how it started. But that's not how, that's not how I thought it would go. So outside of the work situation where I started to do more marketing and events, on the other side, I actually wanted to own my own business within the action sports industry. So not only am I doing events for work, I'm doing my own events that are based on sporting, so sporting events here in Montreal and in Vancouver on top of my full-time job. And then on top of that, doing 10,000 person events that focused on music and entertainment. Wow. So that was all in my 20s, (laughs) okay? But I just wanted to open my own shop, but it just fell into my lap. And then I realized that it's literally in my blood. It's a passion. Mm -hmm. And then it has evolved me into where I am now. So you might wonder, what are the job titles or the positions that that lead to being an event producer? Mm -hmm. So uh, event coordinator, event design and decor, event planning, management and producer, which are all kind of same, same, but different. Absolutely. You know, Jen, we're going to walk through some of this kind of vast array of um, experience that you've had as we kind of journey everyone, everyone through the opportunity of, you know, what the whole event space is today. But before we do that, let's kind of tap also into some of the industries that you've worked in, Jen, because that's also been pretty varied. You've touched upon some of them, but let's just kind of regroup a little bit for people who are just joining us. Absolutely. So some of the industries that I have been involved in the planning vary. So it can go from entertainment, which is music, fashion, uh, television, to tech, which would be things like apps, launching apps, launching products for HP Canada, um, Microsoft, uh, like Xbox, Future Shop at the time, all the way to um, finance, which was doing cross-country tours for TD Bank, RBC. And then on top of that, 
I guess that encompasses like the three big industries that we have here in Ontario working for tourism. Mm-hmm. So I actively work for or provide my services to uh, tourism groups to help them as well bring more insight onto the event spaces that they have within their areas. So, guys, you've heard it right here. Um, <laughs> you know now why I fe- felt that, you know, broaching this topic, especially since kind of, you know, we've, we're pulling ourselves out of the whole, you know, you know, transferring from lockdown into, you know, active event spaces uh, and, and also kind of the whole opportunity of the online virtual event arena as well. You can see why Jen was the person that I felt was the perfect person to really kind of tap into this because she has a wealth of diverse experience and has worked in multiple industries with many different types of brands. So Jen, I want to kind of go in a certain direction first before we dive into what the opportunity is for events for all of those people out there who really haven't, you know, maybe hosted their own event and don't really know what that kind of value proposition could look like. So before we dive into what the current event climate is and how to navigate through it, I want to bring those watching, listening and reading this who haven't yet hosted an event for their business or for their brand, some standard benchmarks that need to be in place for an event to be set up for success. So as you know, Jen, I'm a longtime executive event producer myself you know, because you've been involved in a lot of the events that I've done from fashion to music to film to mentoring events and also all the way up to our annual awards show that, you know, we've been doing for Anoki for uh, the last over a decade. So I've learned during that time, and you know me, I'm very A-type. I like to kind of have everything in systems because I feel that if you have things in systems, anyone can kind of be plugged into the system to take over and to be kind of trained to do the job. Um, Three steps that I feel are kind of the tranches of being able to really organize what an event should be about is to understand what the pre-planning stage is, what the on-site execution stage is, and what the post-event follow-up stage is. So let's break these down. Jen, as an event producer, when someone brings you on to handle their event, what should be done in each of these tranches to ensure that the overall event is set up for success? Okay, Raj. So for the three steps that you just mentioned, the pre-planning, execution, and, you know, also the the post. So about, I would say about 75% of your event is in pre-planning, right? So without a plan, there's no reason to execute. But with a solid plan, then you have every reason to execute. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how I put my energy into it. And I'm sure you'll agree that it takes months, it could take years to plan a solid event based on the audience mm-hmm. that you want. So it really depends on the industry, the product, or the brand that you want to share with your end users. Mm-hmm. Execution is easy because when it comes to the week before execution, when you have your work back schedule and your run of show, it's really just on site. So the event planner and the event host with a really good team should really just be mingling and extending their brand in person to the attendees who come. I love that you, 
You know, I have to, uh, you know, kind of just interject there for a moment. I love how you say that's the easy stage, the execution stage, because that's the, 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 the point where people kind of get scared and apprehensive that, you know, will it all work on the day of the event? Now, you have done multiple events. Um, and you've said this, especially at my events. And you know how intricate my, our, you know, my award shows have been. You always waltz into our events on the day of the event or the day before or the day after because we, we generally have our events going on for a couple of days, completely stress-free. I've always wanted to ask you, with all the moving parts that you're having to manage, how do you keep your mindset so kind of relaxed and in the now and present moment, which I feel is kind of the magic formula to why you're always able to execute well when needed? You know, that's a valid question. Keeping calm when there are so many mo different moving parts is is a skill. It's, it's, but it's almost something that you're born with. Not everyone can do what we do because the stress is so high. Right. If you look at the top 10 stressful jobs, event planner is actually top five. And it wow. sounds ridiculous because we're in the same realms as emergency services. When you have trust or you put trust into the client's vision and the client trusts you, pre, pre, pre is really what's going to take that stress level down. Mm -hmm. And when you have a plan A, B, and C put in order and you have your team that you have uh, trained and who understands the client, understands the venue, understands the attendees, then everything should go okay. Now, I say this that it's easy because I've been doing it for 20 years, but if you're going to do it and you're starting out, then start small. Mm -hmm. You know, Raj, you have 1,000-person events. Start smaller and see how, how you react to the pressures that you're put under when it comes to an event. I love that advice. Yeah. I love that advice, Jen. So... Um, there's the third phase. Let's let's kind of hone in on that because that's the okay. phase, the post-event follow-up phase. I feel is the one that people who aren't as successful in, you know, the formula of you know creating and executing successful events tend to not focus so much on. But from my experience, it is the key factor of why you're even doing the event is the follow-up and what you're looking to accomplish from even having done that event. Give me your give me your thoughts on the post event follow up stage. Okay, so post is very important, but I'm going to go back to pre because again, it takes seventy five percent of your time. Yeah. Why? What is the reason you're having the event? What is your goal? Who are you targeting in terms of your audience? What venue is it going to be at? And what is your timeline? So when you have all of these in order, then your execution should be good, and then your post. You have a reason why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. So if it's to celebrate, to launch, to educate, then those are the reasons why you're doing an event. So when, and we can get into this later on, however, the post is the follow-up, but also during the event, that's also your post. Because as your attendees are there, you can engage them to use, like crowdsource them to take photos, to use the hashtag so it's live so that individuals that might not have been a, a, 
available to come to the event will know about the event while it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then that's the call to action after for post. So again, it all depends. So if it's a celebration, like a gala to celebrate all the amazing accomplishments, then you, when you sign up or when you get individuals to sign up, they will provide their email address. Always mm -hmm. ask for something to do a call to action. And as the event happens, you can actually do a survey while they're there. And this could be by a photo booth. It's simple as that, a photo booth taking their picture, getting their email address again that they can share directly to social media. Those emails you can email afterwards to say, we would love to see the other photos you've done. Here's a survey asking all the questions that, that can provide you with research for a brand launch that can provide you more scope of the individuals that want to come to a celebration and also to provide sales leads. You know, and this is the big thing here, right, Jen, that, um, you know, people who some of my clients will come to me and say, you know, events isn't really my thing. And I say, well, you know, if marketing your business, marketing your brand, um, creating more deeper, you know, relationships with your consumer and your client base isn't a part of your plan, then not doing events makes sense. But if it is a part of your plan, somewhere in your ecosystem and in your marketing and your media strategy, you got to think about the event scenario. A lot of what you just shared there, Jen, is extremely important for people to understand, is needed to make sure that you create authority and that you are staying relevant. And that's the big thing, right, Jen, about events that I think is unique to the, the, the entire event model. And that is the fact that other people get excited about the experience of what is taking place and what the kind of objective is of what's going on. And they share it all over the place. And that's the magic. You know, you are kind of partnering up with all levels of attendees to get the word out there about why, you know, your event was important, what they got out of it, and what the value proposition is. And I think that these are the things that really do change the game in your business. Um, if you're looking at amplifying, you know, your authority. So I want to ask you this, Jen, can you share how the following types of events differ in criteria? So depending on the industry a person is in, they can hone in on what's best for the type of event that they need to host. First of all, let's tackle the profit versus not-for-profit. What do people need to know are the differences, you know, in doing an event like, like these two? Okay, so when it comes to non-profit events and for-profit events, there's a huge difference. So for-profit events can be, I'm gonna focus on the entertainment industry, a concert you want to you know throw an event to sell something so individuals will come let's say they'll pay um, an admit a, a fee to go in to get admitted in and they they shop and then they leave so that's their nonprofit or nonprofit is a very scaled type of thing so it's education and awareness mm -hmm. so for nonprofit organization they're not there to make money so for instance they may have uh, received a grant so they may have received a grant and so now you want to host nonprofit events that reach your community to educate them about something um, or to fundraise 
Right. So you're fundraising for an association or for your, your nonprofit association, but that is ultimately to help a cause. So a good example of that would be um, like for cancer or sick kids. So that's nonprofit where you are not making money on your event. However, you have received a grant which can sustain um, a, a certain level of payment for yourself to be able to execute and plan the event. For profit would be, let's say entertainment, we we're talking about a film festival. So a for-profit event where we're gonna have an event at a venue where we're gonna charge for the experience, hundreds of dollars for the experience. And then for individuals who wanna walk them through the door, they are gonna char be charged a door fee. So that is for-profit to provide an experience during film festival for attendees who want to be a part of that energy. Right. So you just mentioned, um, you know, ticketed uh, events. Um, let's go there next. Ticketed versus free entry. What do people need to know? Okay. So ticketed versus free, you know, uh, the marketer in me is always like, make it free so that they spend the money while they're in you know, your event. So it depends on what you want to do. Again, so I'm going to use an example. So if it's a, a big show where consumers want to come in and they want to buy things, well, you want to provide perhaps a free ticket mm -hmm. just so that, you know, they come in and they help all the other vendors to, to buy things. Now, if you want to ensure a type of exclusivity or um, provide a more of an experience, and that's a ticketed experience, where you are guaranteed that you are going to um, bring in that profit to perhaps pay for the venue, pay for all of the expenses of that event, and then make a profit. So that, again, could be the Christmas market. Right? Absolutely. A fee and to, and to come in. Absolutely. And that's the thing that, you know, as a brand or as a business, looking at what the end goal of the event is, I feel also will help you determine whether you want to make this a free event, um, because the focus is to bring in, as Jen rightfully said, bring in people that will actually purchase during the event, or whether, you, or whether the value proposition to the consumer is to you know, get educational knowledge that in, a, in, a, in an environment like that, then you would want to ticket that event. So, um, you know, I think, and, and, and there's so many other interchangeable um, ways of looking at that because we're looking at this more from like black and white. You know, if it's free, um, you know, you're encouraging people to come to the event. That's the first thing. And to also purchase at the event. But free entry also kind of, has a negative to it because there's this feeling that maybe it's not really a worthy, you know, a worthy um, experience. Ticketed events, people know, are, you know, people mean business, right? People are coming there because they seriously want to partake in whatever the exchange is that's happening during the event. And this is why masterminds, um, coaching, business seminars, etc., tend to be more ticketed but even those I mean Jen you've been to many so have I um, a lot of those are also free entry because the end goal of the host is 
for you to kind of tap in and purchase one of their product services while you're there. Right, Jen? Absolutely. So it's all in your demographics and Mm -hmm. the economical circumstance that you are targeting. And that's, again, the marketing background of why you're going to have an event. You know, you see these speakers like Tony Robbins, and they they charge $2,000. But that means you're accountable to show up to their event. And that's a a certain mindset of individual who knows they're going to invest in this event because they want to learn something and take away. And then you have the free where you just you just want the numbers to come, but you don't really know what their dedication or their reason of being at the event is. So it is really a black and white, but there's a lot of gray area in between. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just brought something um, to my mind as well. This is where kind of brand equity really comes into play big time because, um, as you mentioned, someone like a Tony Robbins can charge a premium price for you to enter the event and then also, you know, upsell you on multiple other opportunities, which generally tends to be, um, you know, kind of the formula of those types of events where he brings in experts that have certain wares, services, products that they want to sell to the consumer through educating people on what why it's important for their professional development. And then s- someone like a um, Anthony Robbins or his company would take a cut of everything that's sold off of his platform. So there's multiple ways to look at the ticketing scenario. And even if you're an unknown company or a brand that's kind of just starting off, you have to really think about um, where is it that you want your events to go to is where you should start off where the ticket versus free entry is concerned. And why I say this is, you know, is the goal here for you to bring in people that are seriously going to want to be a part of what it is that the value proposition is for this event or um, are they not? And does that matter to you or not? So a lot of these different things are worth considering uh, when you're you're looking at this. But, you know, rule of thumb is, is that if you ticket an event, all of a sudden you are kind of telling people that this is going to be a very high value opportunity. When it's a free entry event, generally you know that there's going to be something that you have to purchase when you get there you know, as, as, as a, as a, you know, an, an attendee. So I want to ask you this then, Jen, because this also kind of, you know, is another layer to the ticketed versus, um, you know, free entry scenario. And that is public versus by invite only attendance events. Oh. Can you kind of add that layer to the mix next? I am going to add that layer. So the, so by adding public versus more exclusive. So I'm going to go to the ticketed, event side first where it's more i mean it could be more private and this is where you have the different scales of ticketing so you can have early bird like a bundle so for instance if it is like a mastermind where you want individuals to continue to come you do a bundle or you do a vip or you do general entry so those are normally the four tiers of tickets when you're going to go to a paid event And each level of ticket will get a different uh, uh, brand experience throughout, but they all encompass to provide the same type of information or lessons learned from the event. So uh, let's say, for instance, when 
it's, there's a mastermind. When you do VIP, they're at the front. They get to meet with Raj. They get um, a lovely little packet or uh, maybe a guided something so that they have a takeaway that will then in turn to a lead in sales generation for these individuals to sign up for your expertise. You, so that's like an early bird slash VIP. And then general would be for the public, mm-hmm. right? So these are individuals who, okay, we've heard about it. We want to learn more. We're going to spark some interest. Okay, we're going to be here and we're going to sit, you know, closer, you know, maybe seven rows back. But then that's how the individual who's hosting the event or the, the brand is going to reel them in to then become the individuals who are going to turn into more of an interest than they become the VIP in the long run, right? That's your, that's your goal. That's why you're attending people. So that's ticketed. And that's my interpretation of ticketed with the different tiers for the event. Now, free. I'm going to think of an example where there's something that's free and that's more public. So let's say there's a car launch. Okay, so there's a car launch at a luxury vehicle. Um, brand, which we've I've done, you've attended. Yes. So it's a free event, but who are the people that you're inviting? Well, it could be public and it could be private. So for instance, it's, if it's a luxury brand such as Mercedes-Benz, you would like to invite individuals who have purchased from you and you would like them to continue purchasing or leasing from you. Mm-hmm. Now you can allocate a 20% per, like, percentage of tickets for public. And these are for individuals that you're 80% invite. So those could be individuals who had not yet owned the luxury vehicle that you're going to convert because you're providing a free event luxury experience that will reel them in. Absolutely. So for people who um, aren't really kind of really honed in on where, you know, you would have a public attendance versus an invite only attendance. Can you um, summarize that for us again? The public versus the invite only, because, and and this is where it gets complicated folks. So you've got ticketed versus free entry, then you've got, and then who are you giving the ticketed versus the free entry to? Is it public or is it gonna be by invite only? Because when you think of by invite only, oftentimes you think, oh, I'm being invited as a guest, but you could be invited into a very exclusive event experience. So, you know, only those people that are being reached out to are being invited, but you're being invited um, at a premium cost still. It can still be a purchased event. So there's so many different kind of, you know, gray areas in the black and white of a lot of these things that we're talking about. And again, it comes back to what your end goal is, you know, um, that you want to accomplish in the long run with this event. Jen, do you want to kind of talk a little bit and add to maybe, you know, the invite only attendance part of things as well from your experience? Yes. And, you know, if anyone ever wants to find out more, just reach out to Raj because that's what she does. And you can reach out to me because it really is your goal. So Mm -hmm. invite only is. So we're going to start for why you got invited. So there's a marketing, there's a PR side to these events as well. So a 
if it, you're an exclusive or VIP individual who gets an invite only to an event, that is because your name is on a list that either the PR rep has or the corporation wants you to be there. Invite only, which can be free, okay? Mm-hmm. Then there's invite only, which can be at a um, exclusive price to you because there is a lot of added value to the event, but the individuals who are hosting would like to, you to be there or to extend the invitation. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So, so now there's free to a free event. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that means tickets can be found on many different platforms. So you're trying to reach more. You're trying to grow your brand. An uh, example would be a festival. You want to reach your brand. You have sponsors who want to be seen by the general public. So that is a free ticket you can find on many different platforms, such as Eventbrite or the company's social media or website where they offer a certain block of tickets that are free to the free event. Mm-hmm. Then there is free to a paid event, if I'm going to say this correctly. So you could be offered a free ticket to an event that there's usually, um, you have to pay at the door. So there could be a certain block of tickets that would encourage individuals to sign up faster and tell others. But if you have a certain block of tickets that sell out, then those others are converted into purchased tickets Mm -hmm. for the purchased event. It's very, sounds simple, but it's kind of complicated, but it's all based on what you want. Absolutely. And, you know, and um, oftentimes these tiers are very strategically created where, you know, the free is supposed to, you know, help people really talk about the event and to be able to maybe perhaps bring in people who are outside of your ecosystem. And the, you know, the people who are being invited are already in your ecosystem. So that's also another strategy of why a certain block of tickets they tend to open up because they want to bring in new people. Um, So Jen, one other thing before we move into what events is about today, I want to ask you this. Is there anything people need to know about B2B versus B2C um, event opportunities? Is there anything people need to know there? Yes, this is actually really important. As some individuals always see the end experience, which is your starting experience, they attendees or delegates don't see what's before. So for those who don't know, B2B is business to business. A great example for that could be a textile show. So it's a textile show or a trade show where it shows all of the new clothing that's coming out for the season. So Um, magic, which I've attended before these times, is you go and you see all the clothing that you can bring into your store before anyone else sees it. So that's B2B. And you can think about all the other trade shows and conferences that happen. Those predominantly are B2B. Now, B2B is business to consumer. So another example of this would be the um, one-of-a-kind show or an auto show. The auto show's goal is their business to show the consumers what new launches are going to happen with hopes that you love the brand, you're there for a certain brand, and then you go and purchase it. 
for a smaller scale, for because we're look, talking about different levels of business, something that's more relatable for a small business is the one-of-a-kind show. So you create things, you've manufactured things, and now you want a larger market, a larger demographic to come and see you. You go to a conference center and you execute as a part of that event. So that is B2B and B2C. Okay, wonderful. Lot to think about, right, folks? Um, you can definitely hit Jen um, or me up if you want to kind of understand how to, you know, strategically create an event experience um, with the end goal that you're looking to accomplish. Thank you so much for staying till the end. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Before you leave, I would love for your support by subscribing to my show and letting everyone you know know about it and have them come take a listen. I would sincerely appreciate you joining me at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Search Raj Gurn and the Open Chess Confidence Academy. Until next week, I hope you continue to cultivate your own ecosystem so that everyone in and around it is empowered by your mission to elevate them all. See you next week.